It is another week and another edition of the Pat Richter Show right here at 100.5 ESPN. How you doing, everybody? Alex Strofe hanging out with former Wisconsin Athletic Director, the man and the legend, Pat Richter, with me as always. Pat, another week. How are you? Alex, very interesting. Good to be with you tonight. Yeah, plenty to get into, right? I mean, uh, let's start in Big Ten hopes because it seems like every week we talk, Pat, that conference just continues to get crazier and crazier on the men's hoop side of things. Uh, Wisconsin with a huge win on Tuesday night at Michigan State, getting that one back as Michigan State just two and a half weeks prior went to the Kohl Center, beat Wisconsin, and uh, Wisconsin goes to Michigan State and gets them back on Tuesday, a final of 70 to 62. Uh, Johnny Davis again, terrific, eight of 11 for 25 points, six rebounds, three assists uh, in 34 minutes of play for uh, the national. Player of the Year front runner, maybe uh, I would say he certainly added to his case on Tuesday, but a big win Tuesday for the Badgers, Pat. Really, kind of surprising, Alex. I uh, was thinking about what happened to Penn State. I mean that, I mean that set basketball back years ago. <laughs> Dick Bennett probably <laughs> was happy about it. I mean, I couldn't believe it. It was just crazy. I mean that that just shows you mean you live by the sword, die with the sword, and they were able to hang in there and just pull a victory out. But uh, a lot, I think, was it 14 of their last victories have been won by single digits yeah. or something like that. But yeah. It's crazy. But after seeing that and then knowing that uh, Michigan State, I think I beat by uh, Rutgers, I believe, and didn't look very good, it was all set up just for saying you're traveling on the road, uh, Rutgers embarrassed Michigan State, we didn't play very well. Start off with the threes, was very very effective as well. But the thing about it, I mean, that just didn't seem to be a normal Michigan State team. They threw the ball away kind of willy nilly. Sometimes that happens. You get a lot of talent. I think it's just everybody's. There's just not enough time for everybody to get the ball and make all the shots that they can they can uh, muster up. But they they were better in the second half. But uh, certainly in the first half, that kept us pretty much. Uh, intact and uh, good defense i mean that was a solid thing that the uh, defense for wisconsin has just really been really outstanding and you know we're not overpowering with with physicality we're not big big people like uh coburn you know you get voted in there when he's big and inside but i think the key and you can see it because this is a fact that came up with the respect that he didn't play in the first michigan state game was at wall Wall is just, you know, he may not score 30 points or 25. You get 11 with seven rebounds. Just the little things that he does, you know, defensively, and he's very physical. He usually got one of their better players. But I think that, uh, you know, even more so than some of the other players in the team, when he's not in there, you really have a difficult thing replacing him and getting somebody in there that can fill the breach, so to speak. And so when he was back, and good thing is, it looked like his ankle was okay, but it could have been serious when the guy fell on him. But uh, he really is fan of the glue. Uh, but Davison didn't have a good night. I mean, he was trying like the Dickens to cash in on one of those three pointers, and uh, eventually made a couple of shots at the right time and free throws. And uh, even though it was a difficult night, he had made a couple of good defensive plays and uh, making other ways, leadership and everything else. When he's not having a good night, he's always in there cheerleading and uh, and knows that he's going to you know help you in other ways and and he, and I think it's 
he stirs him up, you know, have the crowd on, on, uh, on his back like that. And I think that uh, that just fuels the fire inside of him and the, the team as well. And so, but all in all, I think they just did an outstanding job. And you look at the talent on that other team, the Michigan State, and the way that they play, the way they handle themselves, and most of them are young guys shooting and things like this. They they just look like a typical Michigan State team. And I think sometimes they're just a hard bunch to handle for Tom. And uh, ironically, it was kind of interesting. Uh, one comment was made, I, th- I guess I guess we won there last year without a crowd. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, and they said it's the last time that they beat uh, Michigan State at home with a crowd was 2004. Wow. And uh, that happened to be on the night that I had my retirement dinner. And we were at the uh, at the convention center and uh, things like that, civic center, and uh, the game was in progress, and uh, and every, and we got a big screen. We were watching it while the party was going on, and and when we won that, that was when they were they had kind of clinched. I think the title, Michigan State, and they had the banners up in the rafters, and you could see them up there, just getting ready to drop them down when the game was won. And it was very embarrassing because wow. Badgers took him to task, and so we got Bo on the on the line, and he talked to the crowd and said it was a good good uh, going away present. So it was that, but that's the last time. It's hard to believe with all the wins that they've had. Well, now that's an incredible story. Chatting with Pat Richter here, the former Wisconsin athletic director. So you were out at Breslin back in 2004. Uh, when the last time they won with a crowd there, and it was your retirement. That's an incredible story. So. Uh, it's been a while. Well, we were in, we were in, yeah, we were in Madison oh, okay. And, okay. And, uh, and and having a big uh, festivities here, and and uh, I think it was at the uh, Monona Terrace, and they had a big big screen TV because you knew it was going to come on and everything else, and uh, and then it went down to the wire. It was a heck of a game, and we pulled it off. But then the occasionally they would show the camera and go up to the rafters and see these banners that were rolled up ready to be unfurled. Wow. <laughs> and it was really kind of embarrassing. But it was a great, uh, <laughs> you, know, you talk about board, uh, b- uh, blackboard, b- bulletin board material. You know, you, you have a, b- a billboard on, uh, with respect to what's going on and then say, hey, guys, look at this. they got the banners here. They know they're going to pull those things down. That's what they're going to do to you. That's great stuff. And uh, bow, typical bow fashion, you know, kind of. A little bit of flash. You say, well, we'll get a little bit of going away presents for you. So that's good. That's fantastic. A lot of fun. Yeah, that is a lot of fun. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. Well, I do have another question for you, and I'm not sure if you have an, uh, uh, you know, a story like this, but in that Michigan State game on Tuesday night, Johnny Davis had his jersey ripped, so he ultimately had to don the number 51. Uh, for the remainder of the game, and obviously going into uh, the post game, he was rocking the number fifty-one jersey because his number one jersey that he usually wears uh, was ripped in the second half. Have you ever had a uniform malfunction like that, or is there any stories with uniform malfunctions that stick out to you? I, I didn't even realize, you know, that that you, you, a college program would travel an extra jersey just in case of something like this happening. I didn't. I, I've never seen it happen. And ironically, that was the number I wore. I said, they, nobody called to ask permission to wear the uniform. <laughs> but, uh, put it that way. But uh, no, I mean, it was. And they had a good shot of it, too, on the television replay and just showed how he really just ripped it off. And uh, that probably fueled a little bit more fire in Johnny. He had a great game. And he, you know, he's, he's just not a big guy, but he slashes. He's fearless. He, he's uh, great on defense. And. Uh, 
I think he is, uh, was mentioned many times. He's a tremendous competitor, and he just was really willing to will to give victory with respect to Michigan State because he didn't do very well against uh, Penn State, and uh, and I think he was probably really embarrassed about that. And so against the good teams, and then there was a stat that popped up about the good teams and the in the top 10 or something like that, that he scored 20-some points on average. So so against the good teams, he's really uh, doing a great job in terms of scoring, but he's always doing a good job with rebounding and uh, defense. So, you know, I'm intrigued by the fact nobody called you to ask permission, but, you know, I, I will say, Pat, I will say he was able to uh, inherit some of that spirit that, that back when you wore that jersey because I think he uh, think he might have crushed your career high a little bit with 25 on Tuesday. <laughs> well, if he made two free throws, he career, exceeded my career average by half a point. <laughs> pretty pretty solid night then by Johnny in that number 51. That's, yeah. that's funny stuff. But overall, I mean, looking ahead, I mean, there's there's not a ton of action left before we get to Big Ten tournament time, but the Badgers, as of recording, are tied for first place in the Big Ten. And, and obviously, we talked about it a bit last week, Pat, but this is the position you want to be in, right? With, with how much parity is in this league this year, that higher seed is only just going to help you uh, come in that Big Ten tournament time. Absolutely, and I think, you know, we've gotten over the fact that uh, you had to make a great showing in the Big Ten tournament to get a decent seed. I think everybody realizes it's, it's a long season and you're beating up each other in the conference all the time. And, and uh, you know, if somebody that's uh, maybe gets on a roll, sometimes when you get into the tournament, the first games, I think we, we got bounced, I think, early last year, but it was against a team that, you know, had a couple games under their belt. And sometimes... You know, it's not a question of getting tired because you're playing two or th- two days in a row or three days in a row. It's a question of getting familiarity with the, with the uh, environment, the basket, and things like this. And so sometimes that's an advantage. And uh, and I think that uh, that's why I think if you get a, get a seed, a high seed, and then you get down in uh, terms of uh, not playing for a day or two, and somebody's had a, a good chance to you, you kind of play the play-in game and have the baskets and things like this and get everybody accustomed to the stadium. You know, it's a tough tough game sometimes, especially in the Big Ten now, that you get those seeds the way that they are, that even somebody with a low seed, uh, maybe play in on their first day of the, of the tournament, you know, they can be very good. It might be a Rutgers, it might be a Maryland, I mean, Penn State, for example. Anybody that uh, is in the Big Ten that could bounce you out, and I think that's, that that won't hurt us too much if it happened with respect to the seeding the big uh, in the NCAA, and sometimes you get a better better play in in that regard. So, uh, but we've uh, I think we've proved our point. The fact that you're, everybody thought that we were going to finish maybe in the about tenth in the league this year it just shows you know what great job Greg has done and yeah. the fact that uh, everybody has underestimated what Davis could do and what the team could do together. This is the Pat Richter Show here on ESPN. Madison, Alex Strofe alongside former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter. And Pat, I do want to continue the, the conversation around Badgers hoops a little bit because you, you just referenced something 
uh, a minute ago about Greg Gard and the great job he's done leading this program. But it's hard not to think about the turnaround he's done so quickly when just last spring there was all these reports coming out about the, the, the hidden meetings and, you know, that, that he wasn't a good leader, uh, allegedly, and stuff like that. And the way he's been able to turn it around, embrace this group, and, uh, and really prove that he is the guy for this job this year uh, has been so big for, for the culture of that program. And, and as we've talked about before, Pat, culture is so darn important in college athletics, and Greg Gard has really proven that, that he is a great culture uh, leader. Well, you're right, and you've got a young team, and it's fairly young. With Davidson, really the only senior on the team, I guess it is. And uh, so, and, and certainly a lot of these things, a lot of what came out, a lot of whether it's truth or not, it, you, you can't uh, shut it down. It, it, it is what it is. It's in the media system. And, you know, you, you're bound to get some negatives about it, maybe negative recruiting about it, saying, hey, look what's happened in Wisconsin, problems here, da, 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 all that kind of business. And I'm sure that you know Greg was you know not maybe shocked but stunned a little bit in fact of getting all his dirty laundry hung out in the yeah. dry and in the papers and things like this. And you're bound to you know take take it to heart. I mean you can't just dismiss it and say oh, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. And he probably took it to heart and said you know there's some things I can do better, and really made it went on a mission to. Uh, to take whatever negatives there were in, with respect to around that whole system like, situation is turn them into positives, and he's done that. And, and I think that the, the young team that's uh, done well, just each of the puzzle pieces fits. Chucky Hepburn's done a terrific job. I mean, they, they made, well, they, they followed the freshman uh, late in the game. They want to put him up in the, on the line. He's, he's going to be a little nervous. Not a chance. I mean, he he was unbelievable. You stepped up there, boom, boom, like that, and just and then well, we won't follow him. We'll follow Davison or somebody else next time. And he's done a terrific job. He just fits like a nice little puzzle. And Growl Crowell has uh, grown a lot. And Davison's like a coach out there. And Davis Johnny Davis has just been outstanding. And uh, you know, it's only. It's, it's, it's kind of what you dream what you want. To. You want to have somebody very successful as a sophomore. Maybe you won't have him after that, but uh, you know that's the way it is. But it goes to show that you can attract those kind of players. And when they had a graphic on the television about showed that you know in the last I think since 2004 when Devin Harris was All American, the All Americans that they've had, you know Jordan Taylor, Frank Kaminsky, Ethan Happ, you know players like that. And uh, it shows that Wisconsin has had a good basketball program ever since uh, you know Stu Jackson kind of came in and put a little shock treatment in the program and along followed along with uh, Dick Bennett and then Bo and and now Greg and and so that's that's the really comfort thing because it just shows that you can be part of a really outstanding team and they had to work really hard to talk about how Wisconsin changed the tempo and slowed it down and whatever. Well, if they did slow it down because that's the way the game went. But if they had to run, they would run. They, 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 when they were doing those things, they were sticking right with the opponents. And so they can play just about any way you want. And there was also a little change up in the defense, kind of a half court, uh, a little bit more of a pressing defense you know, just on occasion just to show that they've got it. Maybe they're just trying it out because they're going to need it somewhere along the line. And just a little, a little different look anyway. So... They're reinventing themselves a little bit and, and doing what it takes to win and still scores 70 points in a game that was you know, arguably kind of a slow pace.
And, you know, you referenced two names in there, Pat, Dick Bennett and Bo Ryan, both guys you hired. So when we talk about culture, I mean, obviously you have a, you have a huge hand in the bucket when, when it comes to instilling that within Wisconsin. When you kind of reflect over the course of what this basketball program has become, it's it's been one of the best teams in the country for the last two-plus decades. I mean, they're always relevant. They're usually in the top 25 just about throughout the, the course of every season. Uh, what what was the moment when you realized okay we might be onto something really special uh, here was I imagine it was probably during the Dick Bennett era was it the Bo Ryan I mean when did you realize okay we, we're more than just turning it around I think we've got something special for decades to come. Well, it might have just in a, in a, maybe a smaller way happened when Stu Jackson was here. Stu Jackson, you know, he was a really a quality guy and he was a sharp individual. He had coached. He was a high profile. And to be able to attract a young man like that to head the program was uh, kind of a signal that we were serious about getting basketball back on track. And uh, and Stu, even though he was there a short period of time, really did change that culture. He he made uh, basketball a priority, was uh, focused, whether it was uh, on trips and things like this when the band was getting a lot of attention, whatever uh, he was, you know, he wanted certain things for the program. And... Uh, so he changed a little bit of the culture and a little bit of the kind of was a wake-up call. And then for stability, after he, Stan Van Gundy took over, you know, and Stan just, uh, he was a good guy, great guy, and he just didn't feel he could move into that role after a year. We had to put him into place in July and because uh, Stewie got a job with the Grizzlies. And so when that happened, and then uh, we... We kind of tailed a little bit just that one year, and I just thought maybe we need some some kind of a continuity, and that's why I went to Dick Bennett. He wanted something you guys had seen Steve Yoder and Sue Jackson, Stan Van Gundy, and just a lot of things over a couple of years, a period of time. And so when he went to uh, to Dick Bennett, that was going to be the kind of the calming, so to speak, and somebody that. Really, this was their lifetime job. They're not going to be moving, so it's going to be some continuity. And then uh, Dick uh, got to the Final Four, and that took an awful lot out of him, and he decided to step down and make the change to go to Bo, and Bo had been successful. And that, one of the things that I, over the years, always believed, that in terms of basketball versus football, I mean, football coaches are, are different in the sense that you're, you're dealing, even though you have assistants and coordinators, you're dealing with 11 guys on each side of the ball, so it's a little more complicated than just five on five. And so coach at uh, Platteville or whether you're coached at Kentucky, the fact is you've seen an awful lot of things. You know, what what can they do to me five on five that I haven't seen? Very little. And, I, and that's why I think that basketball, whatever level it is, is a little bit simpler in that sense. It's a question of the athletes that you're going to get. And so when Bo came in, being successful at you know Platteville and UWM and everything else, uh, he had seen an awful lot of stuff, you know, a lot of everything. He was a real teacher, and what really kind of uh, kicked it off for me was when talking to uh, to Jim Delaney at the Big Ten, and he said, you know, when uh, Rich Falk, who was the kind of head uh, head of basketball in the Big Ten. Came up and said when we were we hired Bo Ryan, he says, he said that's the kind of guy you need in the Big Ten. He said he's a teacher of the game. He's but he paid his dues and and he didn't really know him from Adam. And 
and that's really what uh, kind of kicked it off and paid off. And, and get guys that fit within your system. Don't you know? Figure you've got to get you know McDonald's All Americans. We've had some of those. They played well. Brian Butch was one. Did a nice job. But there were many others that were more almost like walk-ons and people that developed their game. Mike Wilkinson was a great player. Mm-hmm. Kaminsky developed his game. And those are the kinds of players that really pulled them through. And so that was uh, was kind of the hallmark of the system. What they accomplished and what they have accomplished since, you know, uh, when Bo started, say Dick started in 2000, they were the top, top four of the, in the league for, I don't know, 14, 15 years in a row or something like this. And what they've done, you know, is is hard to believe. It's it almost, it takes... It takes a lot of place of football in that sense, but football we've had a lot had a lot more success over time, so it wasn't a big jump. Basketball, Wisconsin really was not on the radar in terms of basketball, and what they've accomplished in that, that two decades, as you say, has really been incredible. It really has been, and you you have obviously had a huge hand in it. So appreciate the insight and the perspective from your end, Pat, because it really is fascinating, right? Like I'm a younger guy, I really only remember Wisconsin basketball being relevant. So to, to take me back a little bit and and share some insight of, of what it was like, right? I, I I've heard so much about Dick Bennett, but I never really got to see him in action. And being a UW Stevens Point alum, of course, I've heard about him from there that angle too, as you referenced. So it's it's really fascinating to hear how how things can turn around, and obviously you did a remarkable job with everything Wisconsin Athletics, so always uh, always love hearing your your insight on those things. But this is the Pat Richter Show here on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. He is former UW Athletic Director Pat Richter. I'm Alex Strofe, hanging out with you from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios. Uh, Pat, let's switch gears now. Let's, uh, let's, let's head to the NFL, as uh, there's a little game being played this weekend i hear i don't know if you've heard of it it's called the super bowl <laughs> as the cincinnati Bengals take on the los angeles rams out in la the rams will be in their home stadium but it'll probably be more of a home game for the Bengals because they have a lot more fans than the rams i'm not sure if you saw this uh pat but but earlier this week on uh that would have been tuesday night there was a pep rally out in L.A. for the Rams, and it looked like it was a high school pep rally. There was less than 1,000 people there. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal how a, a team in maybe debatably the largest market in the United States doesn't really have fans. I, I don't understand how that works. Could, do you have any idea what, what, what the issue is there? Is it moving around all the time? Is it people have better things to do in L.A.? Like, I, I don't get it. Well, I think it's, some of it's just the – it's a little easier to put your arms around, uh, you know, the baseball team, the Dodgers, or, or the Lakers, or something like that. You get a little bit close, and some of football seems to be far away. And I think some of that has to do with the, the fact that uh, you know, free agency and movement of players, you know, bringing in Stafford and, and moving around physically in terms of city to city, has kind of, you know, kind of. Scrubbed that a little bit in terms of making it very difficult to have any loyalties and people that you're really thinking off a lot of. I mean, you can think look back years ago when when Elroy was with the Rams. I mean, I, everybody in the country, myself included, with a kid, just loved those helmets. Oh my God, the Ram type <laughs> helmet. I mean, that's going to be the coolest thing around. And everybody was a fan, and, and they had the Hollywood scene was fan kind of uh, favorites of theirs, and uh, and so it was uh, as much different. And, and I think that some of that is just because there's uncertainty. I mean, 
you really have to think a little bit. Just like with the Lakers and the Clippers, you got two LA teams. Does that make sense? And then you got the uh, the Rams. There was some talk about the Raiders coming in there. You know, and then the Rams that went to the Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, and and the uh, things like this that used to be the St. Louis Cardinals and then the St. Louis Rams. And so, I mean, it's really been confusing. And so, you might in a big city like that, it's hard to kind of get your bearings in terms of pulling it all together because everybody's so spread out. And, and uh, but they've got an unbelievable facility, and some of that is just a you know, from an entertainment value, which is kind of right up their alley. And so I think some of it is because of that. And it's just, it's just when you're in town, like with the Packers, I mean, you could be in the grocery store and you're going to bump into somebody in the right. Packers. In L.A., that's not going to happen unless you're on Rodeo Drive, who's on there all the time. So, <laughs> But I think it's just because of that. And it, and if it used to be the Rams – Back in the old days, I mean, they kind of stayed together with the team. I mean, you, you can, I can still remember them coming to town in Madison in 1950, fall of 59, 58, 59. And we were practicing uh, in, in, at the Shell and things like this, and they were actually coming to town because they were playing the Rams. The Rams were going to play the Packers and the, and the Chicago Bears over a couple-week period of time. So they practiced in Madison for a while. Uh-huh. So. I mean, it was a big deal, and uh, but you know, you, you know, Deacon Dan Toller, Jan, John Arnett, uh, George Struger, uh, just the names pop off you know, because you, it was just you know you can kind of get close to cards and things like this, and so that just is a little bit more remote today, and it doesn't really happen that often, and it's uh, I think part of the reason why they just uh, you know they don't have that kind of backing and. and Maybe I mean it's hard to say that you take a Super Bowl to get you interested in the team, but that may be what it's going to what's going to happen. I mean, if they win the game, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the city reacts. Will they give them the key to the city? Are they going to have a parade? Well, where would you do that? And, right. And like they did with the Lakers and things like this. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how Lily handles it, especially with their social issues with regards to homeless and things like this. And, that everybody says is going to be kind of on on, on uh, parade down there because they're going to have to do something to this huge, massive homeless situation. And, and uh, so there's a lot of issues around the game. And uh, be interesting to mention about big game coming up Sunday. I remember I talked about it before, mentioned we had players' association meetings in, you know, 68, 69, 70. In a time when one or a Super Bowl, I'm not sure what year it was. I think it was having at St. Louis or no, excuse me, in New Orleans, and we were having meetings. And uh, rather than sit around and watch this big spectacle, we said most of all the players left. Uh, I think on Sunday morning, and well, we'll watch it on television. No big deal, you know. It's, it's just another game. <laughs> so <laughs> what it's turned out to be. And the tickets, I think, were like six bucks or something like that back in those days. Oh wow! I, I think I saw earlier this week, Pat. The uh, the cheapest ticket available was like eight hundred bucks. So uh, times have changed a little bit from back then. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all relative, I guess. I mean, it's I guess you're, you're right. taking the salaries and things like this and put it together in terms of ticket pricing. It's probably ticket prices probably haven't jumped up as much as salaries have, and so uh, that's the way it goes. But it's that's a good point. It's a uh, showbiz now.
That's the way it is. It sure is. It sure is showbiz. Uh, I do want to go back. So uh, you mentioned the Rams coming to Madison back in 1959. So that would have been your senior year of high school, your freshman year of college. Been a freshman year of college. So they use did they use the yeah. UW facilities then? Yep, they they actually had their uh, used our practice locker rooms and then the shell. They would practice like in the afternoon when we were in school and. And then we practice afterwards if it was inclement weather. The shell is not as like it is now. It had that kind of a dirt clay uh, base, and they they'd actually take a tractor and kind of chew it up a little bit and uh, make it a little bit softer uh, turf and stuff. So you could, it was our indoor facility. They did not have the McLean Center. It was the shell at the time, and I'll never forget that we said, "Well, these guys really must." Must have a unbelievable uh, equipment, you know. The pros and whatever. We we snuck in, you know, after after their practice one day and went to look in the lockers and see what kind of shoulder pads or helmets they had. It was unbelievable. I mean, the shoulder pads are like like put together with adhesive tape and stuff like this. Wow. It was just, I mean, just taped together. It was not very very fancy, not very new, and it was but and the helmets and. Everything else it was just like a hand to mouth type thing, but that was the way the NFL was back in those days. It wasn't wasn't as big as it is today, and uh, it was quite an eye opener for all of us to take a look. In fact, years later we went to when I was in Washington. We had a meeting in Massillon, Ohio, and Massillon has got the reputation of being one of the outstanding high school programs in the in the country. And we went in their locker room. And, and in our equipment equipment cage and things like this, and we were looking at it as the Redskins. Said, "My God, they got better equipment than we do in the high school." Wow, so, so it's different. But just to see these guys in in person and see how big they were and everything else was really quite a thrill. I imagine that's uh, that's an incredible story, and obviously being what an eighteen year old, nineteen year old kid. I mean, that's 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 something you know you you dream about, even though it wasn't the same it is today. I mean, it's still it's still a crazy concept, and to be interacting with those folks uh, had to be pretty neat. And then you know, a few years later, there you are playing for Washington. So uh, that's 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 an awesome story. So uh, are you rooting for the Rams then this weekend, Pat? Just given given that story, or are you just hoping for a good football game? Yeah, I. I, th- I th- I think that's kind of where I'm leaning, just because of Stafford and and Aaron Daniels and whatever. But uh, certainly Cincinnati has got a, a long tradition with Paul Brown and now his son Mike Brown running the team. Yeah. And uh, to see what they've done this year is just extraordinary. And and uh, with Chase and uh, and, uh, and Burrow. Oh gosh, Burrow. They were being teammates at. Uh, at uh, LSU and what they can do. I mean, he's just as cool as can be, and so that'll be interesting to watch. And uh, But I, I think it's going to be tough to keep uh, the defensive line from uh, uh, from L.A. off the quarterback. But, but it's, it's kind of fresh to see uh, some new teams and this kind of, uh, you know, everything kind of comes together, but it's, it will. There's all kinds of social media and things like this around it, and in, in the entertainment, and there's always controversy of some sort around it. And in fact, the halftime takes about half the game time, I think it is. And so, uh, but generally speaking, these games, 
are never as good or as close as you think they're going to be. Yeah. Somebody somebody gets off on a, on a good start and jumps up on somebody and they they get their foot on the throat and just keeps it there, and they uh, they they push it to the limits and it becomes a blowout. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see that. And then so and it could go either way, just like we're talking about the Big Ten basketball. Could go either way, and with regards to NFL, and uh, I think the main thing is, is hopefully it'll be a good showing of the NFL because they certainly got some issues that they've got to deal with with respect to uh, coaching staffs and things like this, and and they need it. They need a good game, and uh, it's everybody's into it. And so far, the playoff game's been spectacular, and hopefully this one can be the same way. Well, I, I, exactly. Like I was going going to say, I really hope you're wrong in terms of uh, somebody getting out on top quickly and putting the foot on the throat. But it's been a few years since we've had a good one, right? Like I think back to 2017, Atlanta jumps out to that 28 to three lead over New England, and then they come back and bring it to overtime. That was a classic. But uh, the ones in between there haven't really been all that entertaining. So hopefully. This is finally the year where we get a real nail-biter, uh, as it's two teams we really didn't expect in the Rams and the Bengals. But you, you referenced Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They just won a national championship two years ago, Pat, and now they have the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. I mean, this is unheard of stuff from Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, uh, from teammates at LSU to now playing in a Super Bowl together just, just a couple of years later. Uh, I, I got to be rooting for that because it's it's not very often you see such a quick turnaround. And then with Joe Burrow, you've got an ACL tear in the middle of there too. I mean, that yeah. guy is so calm, cool, and collected. It's uh, It's been really fun to watch him roll this postseason. And we got a couple of Badgers who haven't signed Edwards on the Rams, and so yeah. we've got some local guys. I mean, yeah. They'll tell you, be the first to tell you that you know this is something that is so special that you never can count on uh, you know it happening again. I mean, you just got to take it for what it is, and you're there and be happy about it, and uh, just figure that the way you play your career is is uh, this is just a maybe a one shot deal, but uh, you're there and enjoy it, and hopefully be successful, and you get that big ring and whatever, and so that's what the, most of the players look for. They, they certainly make a lot of money. There's no question about that. But what really gets the guys going is the ring, and that's uh, that's something that not everybody has. And, uh, and now they've gotten so gaudy, they, you know, you can hardly. Uh, when the Packers got their last Super Bowl ring, when it was up there, I was on the board, and so we were getting the presentations and the reveal, so to speak, of the rings. And somebody came by the table and said, "You know, those things weigh a quarter of a pound." <laughs> I said, "You got to be kidding." They wore they 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 weighed as much as a quarter pounder at McDonald's. <laughs> and it was all platinum and everything else. So, so that, it seems like each each year somebody outdoes the other. So it would be spectacular. <laughs> That's the Super Bowl, Pat. It's just top top the year before, top the ring before, top the halftime performance from the year before. Yeah. It's uh, it's always that way. That's that's a great way to explain it. This is the Pat Richter Show here on ESPN Madison. Alex Strofe hanging out with former UW Athletic Director Pat Richter. And Pat, I, I, last thing I want to hit on as well. Actually, I should get your pick. I mean, it sounds like you're leaning leaning the Rams. Who do you think's going to win? It sounds like you're cheering for the Rams, but who do you think wins on Sunday? Uh, well, it's, it's a tough call. I think what you said is actually right as well in the underdog. But I, I would say maybe you talk about uh, 28 to 12 uh, 13, uh, Rams.
Okay. You so you think a big win, big win. Uh think you're probably on to something there, but uh, we, we will sure see here on Sunday. Uh, last thing I want to get to, though, Pat, is the uh, is the Rooney rule. Obviously, we talked a bit last week on the Pat Richter Show, and if you missed any of that conversation, you, you can subscribe to the Pat Richter Show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, great conversation around Brian Flores and his lawsuit against the NFL. Uh, but the Rooney rule is something that's come up a lot this week. Uh, civil rights leaders are calling on the NFL to replace it. Roger Goodell obviously been in the news quite a bit about meetings with the implementation and uh, you know some of the, the things surrounding the Rooney rule in the past couple of weeks. Uh, on the outside looking in, I mean, obviously there is a discrepancy in hiring minorities. I mean, there, there's no doubting the data that, that is presented around that. But when you look at the Rooney rule from the outside, Pat, what, what's the takeaway after everything that's gone on the, the last couple of weeks? What are your thoughts on all of this? Well, it was well intended, but it, it just never has, uh, has turned out to be the, the answer to what the, the issue was. And that was a question of trying to get more head coaches uh, that were minority players that reflected more or less the, the way that the league is going. And I mean, right now, 70% of the players are African-American and are persons of color, and, uh, and the coaching staff certainly don't reflect that. And uh, they went through a lot of things with respect to the Rooney Rule. It meant you had to interview a certain number of minority coaches, et cetera. Sometimes, you know, it didn't work out. Well, and it was more of an excuse. Like, for example, if they got into a, a team, got in a Super Bowl, there were certain times when you could talk them, when you and when you couldn't. And uh, Eric Bieniemy was one, and and they were in the Super Bowl, and even though it was an open job, well, we can't wait, whatever. So they, they've had they had the you know kind of a, the the rationale that they could do something else without uh, destroying the the uh, integrity of the Rooney rule, but it really got to be more of a sham. Well, you interview and talk, and and uh, just like this, uh, the emails that were found by uh, with Belichick with regards to, you know, somebody's actually saying they were going to interview someone, and they already made a pick of a non-minority, and then they and then they were going to have a the, the interview is basically just a sham, and so it was, it was Brian with respect to that, and so. Uh, and, and part of the rationale, I think, for trying to get something to do a little bit more teeth into it is the fact that you, you always use the excuse, well, did I get the job because of what I am or because of who I am and, uh, and what I've done? And, and that's always a question. And, that, and that's something that, uh, you know, what are the, what are the rationale, what are the, what are the credentials? I mean, Lovey Smith just got a job. And uh, right. Houston Texans, and so, I mean, you think about that with respect to, to the number of young young people like Flores and and Bienemy uh, and Byron Leftwich and people like that. I mean, you, why would you just continue to re redo this over again and over again and over again and just say, well? You know, he's going to not make it and it's difficult because he hasn't been successful before. I mean, there's a reason. I mean, he wasn't very successful in Illinois. I mean, why would why would you think they're doing something like that? Right. So I, I think it's going to be Goodell is uh, trying to put together something that makes a little sense. He's going to do an investigation about this and do an analysis and things like that. But it doesn't take an awful lot of thinking to say that it hasn't worked. And basically, the minority groups have basically said that you should just throw it away because it doesn't work. 
and uh, be on the basis of uh, what normal protocol would be. And and that's, uh, you know, when you have ownership vested in many, most cases in one person in terms of uh, who's running the show, you know, you have, you have only one person that's responsible and they've got you know, personal interests and a lot more that they can use as kind of a deflection. And maybe it's set up on a corporate basis where you have a board and a lot of more, uh, maybe more community conscious approach to it, that may be the way to do it. And so uh, it's going to be very interesting the way it plays out. Flores into kind of a, you know, he's taking a lot on his shoulders in terms of what's going on. It'll be interesting to see what happens with regards to that. And uh, and the other thing that comes along with it is, is two of these coaches have been have been talked about as being offered dollars to to not win games. And so the NFL's got a lot of things to talk about, and they they need a very good showing at the Super Bowl to kind of put that thing back in the bag. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that you know these are the conversations we're having, right? Because when you have what at least they feel is a deserving candidate or an unfair firing in the case of Flores, it's uh, it's going to create conversation like this, and it's 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 unfortunate, but it's also necessary, right? So, uh, but but to go back to your comment on Lovey Smith, I don't get that one at all, right? Giving David Cully one year to no. do. Uh, he was fine. It's not like the Texans had a very special team, uh, and then he gets fired, and the coordinator fired a year prior from the University of Illinois. It was all uh, all really wacky, but uh, I guess a lot of the things the Houston Texans do recently haven't made a lot of sense. Uh, of another... course, you knew he coached here with Don Morton, I think. Right, right. Um, Lovey did. Right. Lovey Smith. Right, so. So, I, I, I it's... It really is just hard to believe in some respects. That one, you mentioned perfectly, with Cully versus uh, uh, Smith, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And sometimes you wonder about these people, whether or not they, how they earned their money, whether it was through uh, very, very precise and and, uh, and intellectual deals or just somebody got, a, got an inheritance or something. But sometimes you just can't explain it. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. Well said. There's there there are lots of things you can't explain, but Pat, I will tell you, you're you're very good at explaining most things, which you uh, have done for us again this week. Always appreciate the time, my friend. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and we'll talk again next week. Okay, Alex. Thanks very much. And again, the great Pat Richter here on the Pat Richter Show, presented by Oak Park Place, J and K Security Solutions, and Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. Thanks so much for hanging out with you with us today. We'll be back next Saturday right here. Uh, 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand.